So again, I know that I've already greeted you, but I'm Pastor Terry, lead pastor here, and uh, just really excited to bring the word today. Um, this is week three in a series that we've been in, and it's a walk through Colossians. Uh, just a, a quick kind of understanding of what a walk through Colossians is. We we heard years ago, long before I even got here, Pastor Jim, Pastor Aaron learned that there was a statistic that many, a great percentage of people who go to church, people who, who identify as followers of Jesus, that's, that's us, right, have never read through one entire chapter of the Bible. Blew my mind, right? And, um, and so they kind of they came up with this idea that, like, what if we read entire chapters at a time and then we went back in and kind of broke it down by the end of that series they'll have heard the entire book they will have ingested and and digested the entire book and so that's kind of what they started doing and so um i just really like these walkthrough series i feel like you get so much out of them i feel like my job as a pastor is to do my best that when you walk away that you know scripture better than you knew it before uh it's not my job to teach you how to know culture better it's not my job to teach you how to know what the world has to say better. It's my job to teach you what, what, is, what does the Word of God say, how does it apply to me, and, and where do I go with it from here? And so that's kind of what we, what we do. And so we, we read and listen to the whole entire chapter, and then we go back in and just kind of share what's on our heart. And so that's what we're going to do today. Week one, uh, we talked about the, the, thing, the, the prayer that Paul had for the church at Colossae, and, and we all believe that it's still the same that, that he would pray over us today. They be filled with the knowledge of his will. We want that, right? Amen. That we would walk worthy of what Jesus has done. We want that, right? Okay. Just making sure. Got a little, little iffy there. Like, well, the first one really is it's effort for God, not so much me. I, I don't want to have to do a whole lot. That's not you guys. That's other churches, right? Uh that we would be strengthened, and it says strengthened with all patience and long-suffering with joy. And the only way when we have situations that require patience and long-suffering, admittedly not our favorite situations, right? The only way that we retain joy in the midst of that is to be strengthened by Jesus. Amen? Amen. That was week one. Week two, we talked about the difference between the, the, the fact that, that, that there is liberalism that is anything goes and and all things are okay and legalism and how both of those extremes are extraordinarily dangerous and the world brings liberalism the enemy i'm sorry yeah liberalism the enemy pushes legalism but jesus brings liberty and that's what we're called to walk in this week we're going to hit chapter three and i'm really excited about what god has laid on my heart to share with you but as always we got to start with the reading of the word, and, uh, and we've been using Johnny Cash to do that, and I think it's working. So here we go, chapter 3 from Johnny. Give it a listen. Chapter 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. 
Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your own husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service, as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. There's a lot there, right? A lot to unpack. Where do you go? I mean, we could, we could post up at the marriage one all night, all morning long, right? We could post up right there and we could talk about how, how the, the, the model of marriage is that the, the husband and wife would, would go all in for one another. How it says, wives, submit to your husband. No one likes that one, right? But, but what it also says, and, and you find this in Ephesians as well, husbands, love your, your wives as Christ loved the church. And what did he do? He gave his life for her. And so I, I've always felt like if I live in such a way where I love my wife as Jesus loves the church, then my wife would never have a problem in submission, ever. We could talk about that. I don't feel led to, to go there today, but we will. We will head back there at some point in time. We did a series called um, uh, Relationship Goals a while back, and, uh, and we'll probably head that direction again. I think marriage is one of the most important uh, aspects of, of, uh, of having a healthy church. When you have a healthy church, produces healthy children. Healthy children produces a healthy church. And so here we go. But where do we go? And, uh, and so uh, I'm just going to start from the beginning, and I'm going to work through some of these things that the Lord has, has laid on my heart. And the fact of the matter is, is 1 through 4, uh, verses 1 through 4 is where I'm going to start. And, and that kind of sets the tone for what we're talking about. So let's look at it again. If then you were raised with Christ, let's stop right there. Right away we know who the audience is. 
Right away we know who the audience is. The audience is those who claim to have been raised with Christ. That means those who have had that spiritual that spiritual change in their life where they have committed to Jesus Christ for their life, this is who he's talking to. He's not talking to the world here. Can I just say this? Stop worrying about what the world's doing. The world is the world. Amen? The world's going to world. You know what I'm saying? They're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to live the life that they're going to live. It's not our job to worry about what they're doing. It's our job to worry about what goes on in the house of God. Now, we have to have a heart for the lost. We have to have a heart for the world by all means. But I'm not going to look at somebody who doesn't claim to be a follower of Christ and then hold them to the same standard that I hold myself as a follower of Christ. You'll be disappointed every time. And it's not our job. So many followers of Jesus are burnt out because you're doing things that aren't required of you. Meanwhile, skipping out on doing the things that are. <gasps> Woo, that's not in the notes, y'all. But I'm going to make it to second service, I can promise you that. So right away, he says he knows who his audience is. This is not directed at the world, this is directed at the church. Everybody do this. Do this. I know your arms work, I've seen it. Do this. And then do that. It's talking to you. It's talking to me. Let's keep going. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of earth. For you died. Remember that. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. I love that part, that your life is hidden with Christ and God. That means that means kept safe. That means sealed, protected in Christ. Amen. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Okay, so this has been aimed at those who have been made alive in Christ. It's directed at those who have had the spiritual shift whose lives have been changed by him. Right away, Paul's challenge to the people of Colossae is something I believe he would also challenge to us is keep your mind on higher things. Amen? Amen. How many of you know where your mind goes is where your actions end up going as well? Amen? It all starts with what you think on. And so what he's saying here is, it's time for you to put away lesser thinking and start thinking on higher things. Not earthly things. Start thinking on heavenly things stop thinking about the temporary and start thinking about the eternal that's going to make that's going to be said a lot today so so especially near the end so so stay on that idea verse two he says think think the things that are above not the things of earth he gives two options here carnal not caramel we hit that last week we hit caramels last week carnal in nature which is worldly which is fleshly or godly and eternal in nature. We have the choice what we think on. Bottom line is this. If you spend your entire life thinking on things that are lowly and carnal, guess what you're going to spend your entire life doing? Things that are lowly and carnal. This is why Paul challenges us right off the bat. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, then you need to not think like everybody else thinks. Amen? 
Okay, all right. Some of you are like, yeah, this is great. Others of you are like, I'm not sure yet. Keep going. I'll let you know. I believe that every follower of Christ, it blows my mind. When you look, I think the thing that has really stuck out to me the most about this walkthrough, something sticks out to me with every walkthrough, but this one in particular, what sticks out to me the most is the fact that this was written over 2,000 years ago. And, and we're still struggling today with the things these guys were struggling with back then. It's because it's, it's our sin nature. It's our carnal nature. And Paul says that we should not think on the things of the earth, but rather the things that are heavenly. Think about that. Let me ask you this. Think about your life. How much time, talent, and treasure do we spend on things in, that, in light of eternity that don't even matter? Think about that. Think about all the things that we put our energy to, all the things that we focus on that at the end of the day don't even matter when you start thinking on eternity. Even, even pastoral leadership I, I, so I do a lot of the, most of the video you'll see here, or I do a lot of the graphics or Pastor Kate. We will get focused when we're, when we're trying to do a, a graphic. We'll get focused on a font and spend three hours on what the right font is. It's easy when you're a graphic designer to waste half your day trying to figure out what, what lettering to use. Anybody other than me understand that? Like it's, it's a curse. It. It's a curse that you just can't not do. It, it, when you do graphics, it's just a, it's so I remember one time I was searching for the right font or searching for the right graphic, and the Lord just said to me, hey, this would be awesome that you're putting in this work. If it even mattered to begin with, focus on your sermon, dummy. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, God. Thank you. But so often... We focus on all the things that don't matter. We major in the minors. Come on. And so Paul's like, guys, don't major in the minors. Focus on the things that really matter. We have carnal and we have godly. What are you going to choose? We have temporary and we have eternal. Where are you setting your mind? The things here or the things here? And so he challenges us to live in such a way where we think on the right things. How on earth do we do that? He gives us a roadmap on how to do it. Are you ready? Here we go. Verses 5 through 9. This is your how. This is how we begin. Okay? This is how we begin. And, and, and I'll just say this. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is a, a roadmap to get it right. Maybe you don't know how to do it on your own. Take this. Here we go. Therefore, what's that therefore? It's therefore because he just said, if you're a follower of Jesus, think on the things that are above. So here's how you do it, right? Put to death your members which are on the earth. Oh, that's easy. Done. <sighs> Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. We need to keep that in mind, especially 
Next week, we're going to talk about how we view those who aren't following Christ. We need to keep that in mind, that we once walked in this junk. Some of us following Christ still struggling with it to this day. But now you yourselves are to put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Let's talk about what we just read. Very first thing we see here is God calls us to put off our earthly nature. Let me just say this. If you are going to think on heavenly things, there are things that we have to unlearn and there's things that we have to learn. Amen? First thing we have to unlearn is we have to stop thinking on our carnal nature. Scripture says we need to put certain things off. What are some of those things? These are big words. And, and I mean, not just long words to say out loud to enunciate. I'm saying they, the, the, the subject of these words carry a lot of weight. And if I, if I offend you here, I'm, I'm sorry. But this isn't my word. This is the word of God. You have to decide whether or not you're going to live by it and not tailor-make God's word to your life. So here it is. Number one, fornication. Guys, I'm just going to be honest with you. The world doesn't really challenge us to a walk in purity anymore. Fornication is general sexual sin. And there's a lot of it. I'm not going to go through the list. It's basically this. You know it when you see it. Amen? Uncleanness. That is impure or even corrupt behavior. Passion. That is lustful desires. Covetousness. That is greed. Boy, we, we, don't, we don't talk much about that, do we? Coveting. The Bible actually says, in, in, and it is one of the Ten Commandments, you shouldn't cover, covet your neighbor's possessions or their spouse, right? When you are coveting what somebody else has, you are hating the life that you have and the gift that God has given you in that life. Did you realize that? What else? Idolatry, that is putting anything in the place of the God who was called to receive our praise. Usually it's outward actions, but it points to the, to the attitude of the heart. And then it goes on from there. Then it makes another list, another list, and it says this. Anger. I want to stop right there. Let's have a little fun. Anger. Think about things that make you angry. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that you can be angry and without sin, right? I'm not real good at it. Any, anybody else able to master that yet? I can be angry without sinning. I struggle f for the last part not to come with my anger. How do I know? Because I'm helping coach a, a Little League baseball team right now. Oh. Look, you know who the worst person in the entire world has to be? A Little League umpire. You get paid, like what, $25, $30 a game? And if you're umpiring for me, I find things to complain about. It's actually kind of a sport within a sport for me. It's just a lot of fun. <laughs> Luckily, the guy we have is, is, a, is a good sport because I, I did ask the president of the Little League when the umpire walked by the other day if he got this umpire at Aldi. <clears throat> I was like, dude, did you get him at Aldi? What is going on? And he's like, shut up, Terry. The other day, the umpire... Uh, called one of my players out for throwing the bat, right? He gave a warning, and then he, he said he did it again. And it just so happened to be my son. Now, 
hold on. I am not one of those helicopter parents who gets mad when you, when you call my son out. In fact, I have been the coach who has said to umpires when we've been in blowout games, hey, my son's coming up. I don't care where the ball is. If it rolls across the plate, if it's in his ear or above his head, call it a strike. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, it'll be hilarious. Just keep doing it. The umpire's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, do it. It'll be fun. And, and, and Gavin was so mad at me after the game when I told him it was my fault that he did it. He's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, so, so many things. <laughs> so the other day, I'm trying to have a conversation with this umpire, and he just cuts me off. I'm like, you need to tell me what I need to tell him to stop doing because he could be coming up next inning with the game on the line. Help me out. And he's like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm like, you better tell me something. But no matter how bad I get, I'll never be as bad as this coach. Let's have some fun and watch this guy, this baseball coach, flip out a little bit. I'll even narrate for you. Go ahead and play it. So this is a uh, minor league Braves game. At this point in time, he's expressing his discontent. I can only imagine what some of the language is. Now he's talking about how bad a strike zone is. He might also be talking about his breath at the moment. He's no longer happy with the size of the plate. Let's go ahead and draw a new one. Going to go ahead and have some words with the umpire again. But there's also a third base umpire. Let's go talk with him. Yeah, he doesn't know anything either. I'm going to steal third base. This is mine now. You may ask, why on earth are you taking third base? The ample is simple. I'm going to throw it into right field. Not quite done yet. I'm going to head back. No, wait. Something has caught my eye. Army crawl. Rosin bag grenade at the umpire's seat. I think he just said you're all fired. And uh, oh yeah, I gotta eject the third base umpire. I'm out of here. But I think I should also take second base too. And that'll do it. As angry as I get, at least I'm never that guy. Some of you guys have coached. Some of you guys have coached. You know how easy it is to get angry, right? You coached for years. Eric, you've coached for years, right? You've co helped coach, right? You get it. It's not easy. At least we're not that guy. Expressing his anger in a very, I thought it was a very, very creative way. Did you know in the majors, it's actually in coaches' contracts that they have to get ejected from so many games a year just to keep it fresh. Did you know that? It's not for Little League. I checked. That's not how it works. <laughs> Why is anger so important? Because if not checked, it can lead to the next one, wrath. See, that's the thing. We've got to learn to check our anger because it leads to worse things. And that's what he's talking about here. 
What it talks about in Scripture is outbursts of wrath, unfiltered anger resulting in violence. He says, put off malice. That's evilness. That is depravity. That's, the Bible says that the heart of man is evil and above all, desperately wicked. Blasphemy, that's contemptuous, irreverent, deliber- deliberate, and insolent utterance of defamation of, uh, and slander of the character of God. And then the last one, well, one of the last ones, filthy language. That's like saying go bucks. That's what that is. <laughs> or lying, which would be me saying go bucks. These are things that we're called to put off. He says we need to offload these things. He says that these things hurt us and those around us. We need to remove them from our life. We need to put off that old man. Why? Because of what it says here in the last part. Because you have put off the old man with his deeds. And we forget that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're a new creation. Old things pass away and all things become new. God calls us to operate our lives in a higher way. Both, both these, That whole entire list had things that were inward, thought-oriented things, and there were also action-oriented things. God calls us to do better in both. Amen? But when we do these things, what does it say? What does it say again? Put off the old man with his deeds. Let me ask you something. Where is the old man? Seriously, where's the old man? Huh? Did somebody say it? Your old man, who you used to be, where is he? Where is she? Dead in Christ, right? So, if you are to be walking as a new creation and the old you is dead in Christ, and you choose to walk in things like anger, lust, malice, greed, fornication basically what you're doing is you're taking that which you clothed yourself at your burial with and you're putting it back on outside the grave for the whole world to see do you hear what i'm saying i've had moments where i've stepped outside of integrity or outside of godliness and and said or did things growing as a follower of christ and that's going to happen. You're going to get it wrong from time to time. None of us are perfect, right? But when you actively choose to live in the things that God has called you, that were a part of your old man that you are to put off, when you say, I'm going to put it back on, and I'm going to live that way unrepentantly, what you are doing is you're saying, I am going to take that which covered me and led me to the grave. I'm going to put it back on for the entire world to see i got to be honest with you, my son had a great time destroying this shirt the other day. But this shirt represents what you wore in the grave. And when you decide to walk in those things, it's like you're putting it on all over again. Is this how you want to represent yourself? More importantly, is this how you want to represent Christ? The answer is no. God's called us to better God calls us to a higher standard. He calls us to think higher. But when we think on lesser things and we act on lesser things, we say, hey, look, I'm back in the way of the world. Check me out. This is how I live and this is who I am. We don't want that, right? No. 
That's so important. He says to think on the things that are above. And to do that, you have got to put off the old man. If you are going to call yourself a follower of Jesus, then there are things that are no longer an option for you. Did you hear that? If I'm going to call myself a follower of Jesus, there are things that are no longer options for me. Things that I can no longer do. Ways in which I can no longer live because he's called me to hire. He does that in my life. He does that in your life. So there are things that we have to unlearn. Then there are also things that we have to learn. Things that we have to put on. Amen? That's what God calls us to. God calls us to put the right things on. Let's look at the next part of the, the, the chapter. Chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. So it says, put off the old man with his, uh, old man with his deeds and have put on the new man. That's what we want, right? Who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew nor Scythian, nor slave, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, check these out, tender mercies, humility, meekness, kindness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, even if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ has forgiven you, so you also must do. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts which you were also called to one body, and be thankful. So the world, we put the world on, and that's how we live. And the church is really good at saying, don't put the world on. Stay away from that junk. Don't put on the old you, right? We're great at that. But we're not great at teaching people how to put on the new man. We don't do that. We're really, really good about saying what things we are against, but not real great I'm saying we as a whole, the big C, not, maybe not Fusion Church, but as a whole. Amen? Do we agree? So how do, you, how do you put on the new man, and how do you begin to think like God's called you to think? You put these things on. Let's start with this one, tender mercies. It doesn't say reluctant mercy. It says tender mercy. That's kind compassion. This blew my mind when God, when God spoke this to me yesterday. Most of Jesus' miracles resulted out of a heart of compassion. And I believe that for us, the same can be true. If we live a life of kind compassion, then I believe that God can use us miraculously as well. Amen? So tender mercies, tender mercies. Plus, whenever I hear tender, I also think of chicken, just so you know. I'm just being honest with you. Right? Kindness. I'm just going to say this, be kind. There's a difference between being nice and being kind. Right? You can be nice to somebody's face while holding the knife to stab them in the back later behind you, right? But kindness isn't like that. It doesn't say be nice, it says be kind. Humility, putting others ahead of yourselves. It's not thinking, uh, thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less, right? Putting on meekness. 
that's being gentle and lowly. Long-suffering, there's that word again. We can't escape long-suffering. The ability to endure. Bearing with one another. Guys, i got to be honest with you. I was just talking with somebody. And, and I, 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 I don't, like I, I hesitate to, let, to tell you who it is because I don't want to name drop. It's somebody who's been through some things lately, okay? And I was, and I was talking with them. I'd never, I'd never met them before, but I just, you know, they're, they're in our community, so I thought I would just call and see if there's anything Fusion Church can do to help them. And they've got a great church family, and they're doing okay. They're going to let us know if they need anything. But, but we were talking, and I said, I said, so you go to a good church, right? He's like, oh, I go to a great church. I'm like, awesome. And I said something, and, and man, we just really both agreed. Think about the times in your life where you went through something hard. I can't imagine going through some of the junk that I've gone through without having a church body that loved me. Without having people that bear with me in the middle of the hardest times. When my dad died, I called Wes, and Wes was on the scene. I didn't, I, I didn't call extended members of the family I called my brother, who I'm not even related to, even though we look so much alike. <laughs> Just one of us got stung by a bee. <laughs> I'll let you make the guess on who that is. It's Wes. His beard got stung. Uh, I can't imagine going through the things that I've gone through without having a church body, a brotherhood, a sisterhood that you can reach out to that bear with one another. I can't imagine that. And there are so many people in this world right now who don't have that, and I just don't know how they're getting through. Where are we at? Long-suffering. Ugh. Forgiving one another. And, and I'll just say this. It's, it's almost and when the, the word forgiving in, in the text is, is like the forgiving of a debt. And look, there are people in your life who, who have angered you, who have hurt you. But when you forgive, you bring freedom to yourself, not necessarily them. What is it we've, we've heard said? Holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's like, it's like sentencing someone else to prison, but you're the one in the cell. He says that, that we need to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. That we love. Now listen, love carries a sense of, of kindness and affectionate regard or benevolence towards someone. It is not agreeing with them. And we, we're going to talk next week about how to behave towards those who are outside the faith. I think that's an important one. Understand this, you can love somebody without agreeing with what they're doing. I love all you guys, even though you're a bunch of Buckeyes. I go into Pastor Jim's office every week for prayer, pre-service prayer for my dose of humility, because I look at all the awesome things that he has in there. You can, you can love somebody, but completely disagree with the life that they're living. That's possible, and it's okay to do that. 
It's okay to love them. It's okay to be kind to them. It's okay to, to, to let them know that, hey, I'm here if you ever need anything. That doesn't mean that you agree with the life that they're living. That doesn't mean that you support the life that they're living. And some of you, some of you, you have family members. I, well, I think we all do have family members that we don't agree with the decisions they're making, right? All of us probably have that. But love isn't saying I agree with your decision. Love is saying, though I disagree with your decision, I still am willing to go all in with you to help you any way I can. Amen? So forgiving one another, loving one another. Then it starts talking about some other things. Uh, it, it says that you would let the peace of God rule in your heart. I don't know about you, but I, I want that. I want that, the peace of God. I want the peace of God to lead and direct every decision that I make. Amen? Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And be thankful. Live with a grateful heart. God calls us to a grateful heart. That's why when you walk in here on Sunday morning, if life is going to heck in a handbasket and you're hating what life looks like right now, you can still worship him because you still have a grateful heart for who God is. And then it floods into every aspect of life. This is how you put on the new man. Tender mercies, kindness, meekness, humility, long-suffering, forgiving one another, bearing with one another, love, peace and a grateful heart. This is what God calls us to. These are attributes of God. This is what we're to put on every day. I actually pray these things on every day. Every day I pray on. I pray on the armor of God. Every day I pray these things on. Lord, help me to walk in these. And I don't get it right every time, and you're not going to either. But this is what God calls us to. We put off the old man, and we put on the new man. This is what it looks like. Amen? We have the choice, flesh or the spirit. We have the choice, temporary versus that which is re- eternal. Remember we talked about that. I got this rope. And let's just say that this rope represents time. Let's just say that this rope represents the beginning through eternity. Okay? And it goes all over the place, right? It's long. It has a, maybe it has a starting point, but... You can't even see where it ends. It just continues to go, right? And so, you know, maybe this is like the beginning and kind of all the things that have led up to your life and then you get to this little piece right here and this represents your life. And then you have everything else. Go ahead and play that, Ben. That'd be awesome. This is all the things that led up to you. This is your life, and this is everything that happens that continues to go on and on through all eternity. Look how little this is. This doesn't mean that life is meaningless. Do you hear me? But what it does mean is we should focus a whole lot more on what happens here than what happens here. Do you hear that? We should focus a whole lot more on what happens here in all eternity and a little less on what happens here. We sow into this part of our life. We sow into this moment. All of our time, all of our treasure, all of our talents usually goes to this part. But what about this? What about this? This is eternity. And if this is all we have, this is all we're given, 
then don't you think we should live this life focusing on what follows? But so often all we focus on is this little piece of red. And we do the things that make us happy in this little piece of red. We do the things that we want to do in this little piece of red. When God says, I've got a whole eternity I want you to focus on, and we say, no, this is what's most important right here. We point our finances to the temporary rather than eternal. Our desire for entertainment rather than our desire for the eternal. And those things aren't bad. Do you hear that? But it can't be the main thing. Did you hear me? Go have fun with your friends. Go out on the weekends and do something fun. Go, 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 go splurge on your family. Go do those things. But it doesn't come first. Do you hear that? Live eternity first. And then we focus on this second. Amen? Think about all that's left after all your earthly living. All that's left after all your earthly living. I think it's important that we focus on the eternal and not the temporary. Agreed? When you step into the flesh, you're focusing on the red. When you walk in anger and wrath, you're, step, you're focusing on the red. You're saying, I have the right to be angry and to, and to behave however I want to behave because they made me mad in this moment. When God says, hey, I want you to remember all this. What did it talk about? It talked about fornication, right? Fornication is living for this moment here, without a doubt. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. If you got little ones, you may want to cover the ears. It's going to give you that warning. If you're having sex outside of marriage, you're going flesh first. Because the Bible's very, very clear that we're not called to live that way. Right? If you're looking at pornography, you're, lo- you're living flesh first. And you're thinking about this. You're thinking about this little moment when all this is left. And you don't care a rip about that. It's time to stop living this way. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. Put off all these things. Let me read it again. Put off all these things. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, covetousness, idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Filthy language, like saying go bucks. Lying, put those things off. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, love, peace, and a grateful heart. And I promise you, you live that way, the red part of your life is going to be better too. Amen? Go ahead and stand to your feet. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'll just say this. There's a better way to live. God calls us to a higher way of thinking, and he would call you to that right now. Maybe you've known him and you've walked away. It's time to make your way back. God calls us to live eternity first. Maybe you're walking in some of these things that you shouldn't be walking in. Or maybe you're really, really struggling to put on that new man. You're like, I know that I've given my life to Jesus, but I'm still trying to to get the fruit to reflect that. Hey, 
It's a process, okay? And you can't go beating yourself up because we all have a long way to go, especially the dude with the microphone, okay? But we live eternity first in everything that we do, and the red part gets better because of it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray, and uh, I'm going to let you guys go. If you need prayer, come up and get a time of prayer with us. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and it's time, you've been living in the red and focusing only on the red, and it's time to focus on eternity, I want to talk with you about that. I'm not going to call you out right here. Come and see me. I'll be standing right here, and I would love to have a conversation with you about it. Let us put off the old man. There are things that we've got to unlearn, and let us continue daily putting on the new man in Jesus' name. Amen? Father God, thank you so much for each and every person in this room. And God, this isn't easy. This isn't easy, but it's definitely worth it. This isn't easy, but it's definitely what you've called us to do. It's definitely who you've called us to be. And so in Jesus' name, I pray that you would help us daily put off the old man. Boy, he tries to resurrect every chance he gets. Help me to put off the old man and help me to put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with others, forgiveness, peace, and a grateful heart. Lord, I love you. I praise you. I just pray that you would help us to live that life today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Listen, crank up the music. If you want to get to the altar, come to the altar. You want to come talk to me, come talk to me. If you got to go, God bless you. Have a great day.